The point of departure of this Mishnah is that a person has a special ne'emanus, a believability, a legal believability, um, if he claims someone is his son. This is unique. In other words, normally if a person says someone is, let's say, his brother, without evidence, so then that won't have a lot of ramifications if we don't presume or believe it to be true. Um, but if a person says out of the blue, so-and-so is his son, so then he has special ne'emanus, special believability, and that is based on a pasuk, because the end of the parsha talking about um, the bukhor says, ki bukhor ben hasnua yakir lo pishnayim um, The pasuk says, the son of the hated wife, talking about in the context of he was trying to cheat him out of his bukhor, so to speak, yakir, he knows exactly who he is, l'ses lo pishnayim, to give him the double portion. Um, now, with all that he has. So the point is that this, this in context, is pretty superfluous. And this extra word, yakir, he recognizes, means that he is believed, we learn from that, that he's believed to know his son or claim someone as a son with special weight. Now that will have consequences in two potential areas. The first is with respect to Yerusha. Meaning, uh, if uh, a person dies, and let's say he has, you know, two sons, Let's say his oldest is a girl, so there's no Bukhor here, okay? Then he has two sons, we'll call the sons Reuben and Shimon. And then, uh, you know, on his deathbed, he says, oh, you guys don't know this, but I actually have another son named Pierre in France, and uh, he's actually my brother from a previous marriage I had, your brother from a previous marriage that I had. So now there are three boys, um, and even though there's no evidence that Pierre is the son, he will indeed, um, based on that testimony, you know, in front of two witnesses, etc., be entitled to a third of the inheritance. That's unique. Um, it wouldn't be true in, in terms of other relatives. Like, for example, if a person, you know, had no children and yeah, he knows that his uncles are inheriting him, he can't say, oh, by the way, I have another uncle named Pierre in France. No, that's not going to be significant. So the first area where one's believability regarding um, identifying a son out of the blue is uh, got through with inheritance. The other area of relevance is in the halachas of Yibum. Uh, yibum is... When a person dies without any uh, surviving offspring, no children at all, no descendants, so then his wife, the widow, is to essentially marry or do chalitza with his brother. So in our Mishnah, it's going to be relevant if a man had no children, he also ostensibly had no brother, if he would say on his deathbed, you know, oh, so-and-so is my brother, Pierre, that carries no weight, and the wife, of course, is free to go and no requirement to do even and with that with that man, Pierre. Okay, so that's the backstory here. The Mishnah says inside, Ha'omer Zebni, Ne'eman. If a person says, that person is my son, Ne'eman, he is believed, meaning um, both implications are, first of all, he would inherit like the other sons, if there are any, and second of all, um, that the wife would now um, be exempt from doing Yibam because he has an heir, assuming that child lived um, beyond the death of the father, his father. Ze'achi, Eno Ne'eman. However, if a person says, so-and-so is my brother, he is not believed, neither with regard to sharing an inheritance, um, and also uh, with respect to uh, a yibum obligation, like I said before. However, since this fellow, let's say, for example, again, we have, let's say, brothers Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, three brothers, okay? Reuven claims that Pierre in France is actually his brother. Shimon and Levi say, we know what you're talking about, nothing doing. Now, they have a father, the father dies and leaves over, you know, $12,000. 
So as far as Shimon and Levi are concerned, there are three brothers. Each should get $4,000. As far as Reuben's concerned, note, there are four brothers, and therefore, each should get $3,000. So then, when the father dies, so as far as everyone's concerned, 4000 will go to Shimon, 4000 will go to Levi. And of the 4000 that goes to Reuben, Reuben has to give one of those thousands to Pierre. Because he claims Pierre is entitled to that 1000 right? Because it says he's only entitled to 3000 And he, at least Reuben, claims that Pierre is entitled to 3000 in fact. But one will come from Reuben, and Shimon and Levi will not be obligated to give him anything. Now, Mace, if, however, Pierre dies before their father, Yaakov, dies, right? So in the end, there are just three brothers surviving, and that everyone agrees to. Then, Yachzru and the and the Mokoman. So then, the whole equation unravels, and the portion that Reuven was going to give to uh, the brother, Pierre, alleged brother, uh, he doesn't give. Meaning now, each brother's Reuven, Shimon, Levi, all get 4,000. The Chiddush that Mishnah, of that part of the Mishnah is, it can't be now, you might have thought wrongly, that perhaps... You know, um, Shimon and Levi could say, listen, if you claim he is the brother and you claim that thousand went to him, we should get thirds of that thousand. That's, of course, not true. And the reason why is because um, everyone agrees that at that point each one should get 4,000. There's no reason why the other brother should not get that. However, if now um, this guy, Pierre, so. Um, he dies. And as far as we know, Pierre is claiming, like Reuben's claiming, that they're brothers. So, and let's say for argument's sake that the only brothers around, the only relatives around, is Pierre's so called brother, alleged brother Reuben. So, since uh, Shimon and Levi are also tied into Reuben, once Pierre's estate is passing on to Reuben, it'll pass a third to Reuben, another two thirds to Shimon and Levi. Right? And that's what it means here. Yeshu Achab Imo, the other brothers inherit with. Reuven in equal thirds. Okay, now, end of that part of the Mishnah. Now the Mishnah's return to the topic of um, how Yerusha works, and although we said in the previous Mishnah that if a person says on his deathbed, even verbally only, he wants to give a gift, that's going to be binding as if he did a formal Kenyan. Here we're going to say, Misha Mace, if a person died, and he never made any such verbal declaration. However, Venimtes Dietiki Kishura Al Yerecho, but we discover that he had like a, essentially a will that he wrote on his deathbed and he tied it to his thigh, meaning it's clear. No one disputes the fact that he wrote it and he signed it and even there are witnesses and it's sitting on his thigh and he intended it to be seen. Still, harezu enoklum, that has no halachic significance whatsoever because if in the daitiki, the will, it said, you know, I want my stuff to pass on to my friend, uh, I don't know what, my friend Pierre in France. So then who cares? His sons are the heirs, and they get it, whatever it is. And the fact that he wrote it and said it before he died doesn't make a darn difference. There was that funny dispensation that the rabbis instituted, which is that a person can verbally declare on his deathbed. That's a verbal declaration. This wasn't that. This was just something written down, and therefore, um, it's not binding. However, says the Mishnah, um, However, if while he was still alive, the person wrote this dietiki, this kind of will, which gave a gift, and he handed it to like someone else to acquire on behalf of, let's say, Pierre in France. So then, bain mina yorshin, bain she'enam mina yorshin. It doesn't matter if the person who did the receiving of the get to affect the kinnon effectively, sorry, the receiving of the of a will, excuse me, that he wrote. Um, whether it's like a, a related party, not a related party, he's a son, not a son, it makes no difference. Devar of kayaman. The gift that's given in the daitiki is indeed binding. 
because uh, a written contract that's handed over the formal Kenyan is certainly no less binding than a verbal declaration. And therefore, if the person on his deathbed writes down his will to give money, or all his money even, to Pierre, the random guy in Paris, so then, and he gives it to somebody, and the other person receives it on behalf to make a Kenyan on behalf of Pierre, so then now Pierre is the happy recipient of that gift during the lifetime of the person on his deathbed, and therefore he's entitled to everything, and the heirs, if that were the case, would get uh, would get nothing.